0: News. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast brought to you by Maine Lobster. The rocky coast of Maine is home to one of the most iconic and sustainable fisheries in the world. With 5,600 independent lobstermen from multi-generational families, the Maine lobster industry is committed to bringing sustainably harvested lobster from trap to table. To learn more about the industry's long history of sustainability, visit lobsterformaine.com. I'm news assistant Ryan Doyle.
1: And I'm Erner Barry, seafood market reporter, Lauren Castiglione. Thanks for joining us.
0: In our top story of the day, triggered by a drop in North Sea cod stocks below biologically sustainable levels, the Marine Stewardship Council suspended its certification of the fishery. The suspension affects all MSC-certified fisheries targeting the North Sea cod stock. A recent stock assessment by the International Council for the Exploration of the Sea found spawning stock biomass has decreased since 2015 and is now below their biological limit.
1: Scientists have long suggested the situation may be the result of warming waters, driven by climate change, and fewer cods surviving into adulthood for the last two years running. The industry has been aware of the problem for years and has responded by actively avoiding catching juvenile fish, but it has not been enough to reverse the decreasing trend of the population."
0: In 2017, the fishery was MSC certified with the stock reaching over 150,000 tons, the highest since 1982. Moreover, stocks were forecast to hit 180,000 in 2018, the highest since 1975, but in 2018 a stock of only 81,224 tons was estimated, well below the safe biological level for the stock, putting it in increased danger of collapse. The UK consumes 115,000 tons of cod each year, 37% of which carries the blue MSC label. Most of the UK's cod, 94% to be exact, is imported with other sustainable MSC-certified options originating from cod stocks outside the North Sea, such as from Iceland, Norway, and Russia. In hopes to return the stock to health, the Scottish fishing industry has committed to a five-year fishery improvement project.
1: Meanwhile, two events occurred this week that may signal a change in the support for two open pit mines in Alaska's southwestern regions, including the pebble mine. The first one took place on Wednesday in Bethel, when the Association of Village Council Presidents voted to withdraw support for the Donlin Gold Mine, a project that is far less known than the pebble, but enjoys more political support and is further along in the permitting process. The vote taken at the AVCP's annual meeting reversed a 2006 resolution supporting the mine. A separation resolution was passed to oppose the mine, signifying the project has lost significant support from tribes in the region.
0: The second event was a stern warning from Senator Lisa Murkowski and a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers that their recent draft environmental impact statement lacks certain critical information and underestimates its potential risks and impacts. The committee statement noted these gaps must be addressed before the permitting process can move forward.
1: Murkowski's warning was the strongest statement the Senator has made since the Army Corps of Engineers released its DEIS last February. Murkowski has said in the past that the permitting process must be respected. In late June, when the Environmental Protection Agency announced it would resume the process of withdrawing a 2014 proposed determination, she continued to reserve judgment. The concerns voiced by Murkowski on September 18th were the strongest, yet reflected her position to have certain key uh, questions raised by EPA and other agencies answered before any permits are issued.
0: Murkowski's comments were made in an event organized by the Bristol Bay Native Corporation and other groups who promote Bristol Bay salmon and oppose the Pebble Mine project. Commercial Fishermen for Bristol Bay, a coalition supporting the industry in the region, also supported Murkowski's efforts. And
1: as we stay in Alaska, the final buzzer is about to sound for the 2019 Alaska salmon season. The statewide catch sits at the eighth largest catch on record and the harvest recently topped 201 million salmon totaling 94% of the preseason prediction. Total sockeye numbers reached 55 million, crushed expectations by 30%, uh, 33%, and is the fourth largest catch on record.
0: Bristol Bay's salmon catch was also historic. Over 56 million, uh, sorry, (laughs) sorry, Sean. Bristol Bay's cam and catch, (laughs) cam and Sorry, I apologize. Bristol Bay's salmon catch was historic. Over 56 million fish returned to Bristol Bay, also topping preseason predictions, and it marked the sixth largest run ever. The preliminary X-vessel value of $306.5 million is the highest in the fisheries history. According to Garrett Everidge of the McDowell Group, that number will only increase.
1: And to wrap things up on the salmon side, the Alaska Peninsula caught 7% of the sockeye harvest, Prince William Sound sat at 5%, And Kodiak and Kut Inlet represented 4% of the sockeye catch. Pink salmon also had a nice showing in 2019. The 125 million uh, was 91% of the forecast and the eighth highest mark on record.
0: Now we shift over towards snow crab where the North Pacific Fisheries Management Council's crab plan team received news about the biomass of crab in the Bering Sea. The group received good news about the biomass of mature male snow crabs. There was a smaller increase in mature male biomass of snow crab than projected, but it is still increasing uh, as noted by the stock assessment author Cody Zawalski of the NMFS. He and other scientists recommended one of eight assessment models that would result in a preferred MMB that would be 85% higher than last year. The report also noted a decline of immature male and all ages of female snow crab.
1: On the other hand, tanner crab are not faring as well as their smaller cousins. The estimated biomass of mature males in the Bering Sea is down from last year. Last year, fishing in the Western District for Tanner Crab opened with a total allowable catch of 2.4 million pounds, down from 2.5 million pounds in 2017. The Eastern District for Tanner Crab remains closed. The quota for the Bering Sea Crab Fisheries will be set by Alaska Department of Fish and Game in mid-October. Alaska's crab resources are jointly managed by NOAA Fisheries and the ADF&G.
0: And up next, we're going to take a look at some shrimp news. Poor shrimp landings continue in the Gulf of Mexico through August. Earlier this week, the NMFS Southeast Fishery Science Center Fishery Monitoring Branch released shrimp landings data from the Gulf of Mexico for August 2019. The NMFS reported shrimp landings in the Gulf last month were 13.3 million pounds, which was the third lowest reported for any August since 2002. Commercial shrimp landings last month were 24.7% below the prior 17-year historic average of 17.7 million pounds for August, according to the Southern Shrimp Association.
1: Sticking with the Southern Shrimp Alliance, the group recently filed comments to the United States Trade Representative expressing support for President Trump's proposal to increase tariffs on certain Chinese imports, including Chinese shrimp imports from 25 to 30%. The SSA said increasing the tariff rate will make Chinese products less attractive and force importers to obtain seafood from countries that are eliminating the use of antibiotics in their seafood production. According to the SSA, the tariffs have led the U.S. to import $150 million less in aquaculture products from China. The SSA also argued that Americans will receive safer seafood options, citing drops in FDA refusals in 2019.
0: And it's about that time again. Lauren, can you give me the latest on the Pangasius and Tilapia markets? You know it.
1: (laughs) So this week, standard moisture frozen Pangasius fillets and moisture added frozen Tilapia fillets have overlapped in price. In the Tilapia market, sales have been slow and packers overseas are doing what they can to absorb added costs attributed to the tariffs. But they can only hold the line for so long before raising their price and passing those costs along to the consumer. Inventory levels within the Pangasius market have remained high, but pricing overseas is attractive enough for importers to continue bringing in the product. When looking at import volumes, however, year-to-date figures fall 41.6% below the same 2018 timeframe. And that about does, does it for it. us. <laughs> Once again, this podcast was brought to you by Maine Lobster. Learn more about the history and sustainability of Maine Lobster industry at lobsterformain.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.